So instead of your spending time um, with God has stirred on Steve's heart in terms of um, the transition from when you lose a pastor, uh, how a church deals with that, he's, he's really stirred to address us on that from 1st, 2nd, and 3rd Thessalonians. But today we're going to continue our um, search of the truth from 1st Timothy. We'll be in chapter 4 today, but before we do, uh, we've got some... Um, visitors with us today that we'd like to draw to your attention, um, and hopefully some will be back repeatedly. Um, one of those, uh, how many of you remember praying for Briley uh, this past week? Uh, is Briley with us? Can you show us Briley, please? Uh, she spent a little scary moment in the hospital after her birth and is doing very well. Yeah, we're trying to disturb your whole family here. Uh, there's Briley. So. And she's doing well. Thank you, Lord, for what he's doing in Briley. We also just met Tate. You want to show us Tate back here? So here's Tate. Welcome to Tate. We have the uh, Nebraska State Director of Fellowship of Christian Athletes with us. Chris, would you stand and be noticed? And... Uh, you look good in your FCA outfit. <laughs> uh, we are very um, patronizing here. <laughs> you want an awe, we'll give you an awe. <laughs> uh, and also, a um, long time ago when I first came, uh, we had an elder and his wife uh, just, I thought, were exemplary for uh, the leadership of our church. And I'd like you to really warmly welcome uh, back to our worship, Dick and Jane Snell. We go way back and way deep. Is anybody that feels you need an awe that didn't get noticed? We can (laughs) take care of that now. Okay. We are in 1 Timothy chapter 4. A pericope, and everybody please say the word now, pericope, pericope, um, is one of those intellectual uh, 25-cent words that people tossed out. All it really means is heading. Um, And so there are a number of study Bibles out, and I'd like to call on you now. uh, Do you have a heading within the first 11 verses of 1 Timothy 4 anywhere? And if so, what would that be? Instruction to Timothy is one of these headings, or what's the word? Pericope. I just like say it again. Somebody needs to write a poem about pericope. Uh, it's the word periscope without the S. Yes. Uh, what else do you have? Instructions for elders, a little more broad. It's not just to Timothy specifically. A good minister ministers discipline. Um, We heard another one this morning. Anybody have um, apostasy as one of your headings? Uh, So some are saying apostasy. All this is really attempting to do is to kind of summarize and give an overview. What is it? What's it about? So I'm going to invite you today to think of 
your pericope. How would you head this passage from Scripture? Follow along, please. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. I listened with interest a few weeks back when Travis was preaching, and he mentioned that, um, that this young Timothy was probably as old as 40 at the time. And that kind of triggered my thinking. I hadn't really heard that before or thought that. In my mind, he was always this uh, teenager, early 20s, maybe 30 kind of guy. And so I went right home and pulled out all my study books and and uh, checked uh, questions.org and even did a little Google and discovered that, sure enough, Travis was right on. Uh, And that Timothy very likely at this time was as much as 40 years old. I asked my mentor who pastored the E Free Church in Cheyenne when he thought he really became an elder. He said that he got out of seminary and went right into pastoring, mid-twenties. He said, but something happened with him when he turned 40. And he said that he had a whole different weight, a whole different concept and thought of what it really was to be an elder. I asked Pastor Dan what his experience was. He said, you know, I I think when I was about 40, something kind of changed. By the time you're 40, usually you've had some children. 
uh, you have faced illness, you have faced um, death, you have had to learn what it is to handle your finances, and you've had a lot of give and take. And so I think it's really appropriate that the elder's elder, Paul, would be used of God to invest in this transitioning elder, this Timothy. And the instruction there is that the Spirit, does your version have a capital S with this? I remind you that when the New Testament was written in Greek, it was written in all capital letters, and all the letters were run together, and there was no punctuation. So imagine the task of translating that into another language, into English. If it's a capital S in this case, we believe that to be a very accurate interpretation and translation of the word for spirit. That's how we got scripture. That's how Adam became alive. Do you remember Adam was probably one of the best sculptured pieces of artwork ever done? Deader than a doornail? Until God breathed. And when God breathed, Adam lived. And whenever God breathes, something has to live. And so it is with his word. When he gave us his word, it it says that it was God breathed. And so this elder's elder is teaching this uh, newbie elder... It's not a player for Nebraska, incidentally. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, think about latter times. Think about the fact that you and I, right now, right here this morning, are in the latterest, if there is such a word, of times that there's ever been. These are the Latterest times there has ever been. But I think they probably felt that way then, that those were kind of the latter times. And how long will latter times go? What do you think? Another hundred years? Thousand? Ten thousand? This breathing spirit of God into his word, Timothy, says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. The faith. I think in terms of our greatest um, comprehension of what the faith might be, would be the purest form of Christianity. The right on truth, the gospel truth, the gospel of Christ's truth. And perhaps this gives rise to the question, oh, is this one of those places where it teaches you can lose your salvation? And the word depart is where we come up with this word apostasy. If it's possible for a Christian to no longer be a Christian, is this what this is saying? Or, if the whole of Scripture teaches clearly that you cannot lose your salvation... 
then this would be another form of people who profess their faith but don't really possess it. But for a fact, in the latter times, the purest form of Christianity is going to be traded for giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Turn with me, please, to the fourth chapter of 1 John. 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. It used to be I would listen to the turning of pages. Now we watch people punching their screens. Beloved, verse 1, don't believe every spirit, but test them. Test the spirits. Put them to the test, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world And by this test, if you will, you know the Spirit of God, that Spirit that expressly spoke to Timothy through Paul's pen. Whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone into the world, and this is the test, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And I'd like you to just practice saying that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Would you say that? Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world back then. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Back to 1 Timothy 4, please. And not only will there be a departure from the faith, but it will then give heed to deceiving spirits and deceiving or deceptive doctrines. What is doctrine? It's teaching. And if doctrine is right on, it ought to be what is true about. That's why we emphasize so strongly these ten basic doctrines. Get these ten straight, and you're right on with your doctrine. The doctrine of God, the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of sin, What's true about salvation? What must I do to be saved? What's true about the scriptures? What's true about man? What's true about angels? What's true about Satan? And finally, what's true about future things? We're in a context, the elder's elder teaching the upstart elder about latter times and a departure, and a giving heed to something that we shouldn't be giving heed to, drawing attention to the lies, speaking of the first of three kinds of conscience. Do you know what the three kinds of conscience are in Scripture? One 
is what is called a pure conscience. This one thinks straight. The second is one that's a bit dirtied. It's called a defiled conscience. And then we land on this one here today, which is a seared conscience, which means the conscience no longer exists. There's no capacity uh, to keep from doing that right nudging from the Spirit of God. I think this speaks of unbelievers. And it's demonstrated by or forbidding to marry. It's typified by commanding to abstain from certain foods. And the teaching about foods here is that God created these foods to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. I'm so old and so stodgy and so habitual that it's, it's just a natural thing. If I'm raising something to my mouth to eat, I find myself either quietly in my spirit giving thanks for that, or if we're collective, we kind of say, hey, let's give thanks for this. And I wonder as I stand before you today, because I just believe God about this stuff, for having constantly been giving thanks for what I have no idea I'm eating sometimes. Maybe it's ridden with salmonella. Maybe it's been offered for sacrifice. For those of you who can stand to go to the wonderful house, uh, you better be praying this way. Not only because of the kind of food, um, but you see their little thing when you walk in? With the burnt incense? Thank you, Lord, for this food. I ask you to bless it, meaning make it holy. Foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. I believe, and I have the truth. And I'm ever coming to the knowledge of the truth. For every creature of God is good. Let's go back to Genesis. He created little creepy crawlies. He created flyers. He created mammals. He created crocodiles. Warm blood. Cold blood. And when he was done, what did God say? It is good. And of all his creation, there's only one thing when he was done. He looked at the one that he'd sculpted and breathed life into. And he said, it is not good that man should be, even though he was capable of control over all of the created kingdom. It was not good that he should be Alone. And so those who depart from the faith and give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines teach that stuff is 
required celibacy. Don't eat that food. Carnivores, like myself, are those which eat flesh, eat meat. Vegetarians are those who can't shoot very well. (laughs) Neither of those are evil. And whatever you eat, the instruction is clear. Do it with thanksgiving. Receive it with thanksgiving as a believer and those who know the truth. But to command what you can and you cannot, what you should or you should not eat, violates the scripture, Timothy. And where you're going, you're going to be surrounded by it. Every creature of God is good. Nothing to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving. So how many pericopes have you been coming up with so far? How many headings would you come up with? What is this talking about today? For it is sanctified. That's a holy word. For it is holified by the word of God in prayer. Interesting that we're only two verses away from verse 3 where it speaks of those who believe and know the truth. The word of God is truth. That's how we test these spirits. And the spirit expressly says that in latter times, and if they were in latter times, what times are we in? We're in times when it is predicted that that which is good will be called evil, and that which is evil will be called good. That speaks of my generation. At least we're in the latterest so far. And so now maybe this could be a main point we're arriving at. Maybe this should be your pericope, your heading. Timothy, here's the deal. We've told you what latter times will be like. We've told you that they'll be forbidding this and commanding that. And God created that which is good and it's to be received with thanksgiving. Holified by the word and prayer. If you instruct the brethren, the believers, in these things, you will be a good minister. Of Jesus Christ. This is Timothy's job description. It is for him to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, feeding on and being nourished by the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. I see a theme here. I see a contrast between verse 1 and verse 6. Do you see the contrast? Verse 1 uses the phrase, giving heed 
Verse 6 uses the phrase, carefully followed. And we are fast approaching the, the drive home point. So just to satisfy me, I'm going to ask you all to stand and, and circulate and make sure that your left big toe is getting lots of blood and your lungs are getting lots of oxygen that they can transfer to your brain so you won't go to sleep. Please stand. Left big toe. Got it? Oxygen. Thank you. Please be seated. If you're a frontier student planning to become a pastor, you just learned one of the great exercises of sermonizing. Reject profane and old wives' fables. Timothy, there's a lot of stuff out there. I can remember one time... um, Googling old wives' fables and sharing a bunch of those with you, and we got our chuckles over that. Reject it and exercise yourself toward a goal. If you exercise deliberately, I can about guarantee you that you have a goal in doing that. Show of hands, how many of you have a weight loss goal. It's a number in your head. I am aiming for this. Our mother with twins is <laughs> has her hand raised. <laughs> it's a goal for much exercise. There's a specific goal here that's laid out clear as a bell. The goal of the exercise that you, if you're going to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, is this. The goal in verse 7 of godliness. I love the scriptural nesses. Holiness. Godliness. Righteousness. And verse 8 gives us a contrast between the flesh and the spirit. The goal for the flesh exercise is fitness. That's a good goal. It's a profitable goal. But by comparison, it is tiny compared to godliness. Succeed at godliness, Timothy. Because it's profitable for not just the body, but for all things. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. I'll tell you what. Come with me to Sunset Cemetery, will you? Let's go on out a little west of town. Let's turn north in the circle driveway and let's go with Deanna Funk as we did yesterday, to a spot where her dad's body remains, where her aunt and her husband are buried, and sit there with her mother having to face what I think is a very out-of-order event as the mother 
seeks comfort over the death of her son. That's a tough comfort. And Timothy, you're going to be at gravesides. And if you're going to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, then call for godliness and exercise toward that because it carries a promise of the life now and of the life that every time we're at graveside we wonder about. Last week we had the communion table out of here. And here was Jerry Talbot's casket, draped in a flag of the United States of America, a country he served well. And we were concerned about the things that are to come for him. And because of his testimony of having received Jesus Christ personally as his Savior, and just like Dick Snell, early in the life of this church, faithfully eldering, as a good minister of Jesus Christ. Godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. It's a faithful saying and it's worthy of accepting it, of all acceptance. And for to this end, Timothy, that's why we labor. And please notice that you don't just labor when it comes to serving Jesus. You also suffer reproach. I was asking God for an illustration of this suffering reproach for a labor of serving the Lord Jesus. And I came across the Fox News article, Dateline September 3, recent an article about Aaron Klein. The article reads as follows, a portion of it. It's a sad day for Christian business owners. And it's a sad day for the First Amendment. Owner Aaron Klein told me. The LGBT initials for a, a great homosexual movement. The LGBT attacks are the reason we are shutting down the shop. They have killed our business through mob tactics. Last January, Aaron and Melissa Klein made national headlines when they refused to bake a wedding cake for a lesbian couple. Klein tells me he has nothing against homosexuals. But because of their religious faith, the faith... The family simply cannot take part in gay wedding events. I believe marriage is between a man and a woman, he said. I don't want to help somebody celebrate a commitment to a lifetime of sin. The lesbian couple filed a discrimination with the Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industries and told their story to local newspapers and television statements. And within days, militant homosexuals launched protests and boycotts. Klein told me he received messages threatening to kill his family. They hoped his children would die. For to this end, Timothy, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God 
who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. He died to be the Savior of all. Some accept, some receive, some believe. Timothy, command this stuff and teach this stuff.